Our theme for this morning is titled, You Are Brought Near. What wonderful words to follow that song. I am good, you are loved. You are loved. Because God loves us, he draws us to himself, he draws us near. We've been looking at a a series over the last few weeks. We started looking at the whole idea that, but now you have been made right. And last week, Pastor John led us with the theme, but now you are made free. The whole focus here is on those two simple words, but now, because they're two simple words that change everything. And we can so often live our lives and feel burdened and feel pulled back by the things of our past. And these two words, but now, cut off that past and say, I have a new future. Christ is doing a new thing in me. And today we are focusing on this whole idea that you are brought near. You were made right. You were made free. And today you are brought near. Now you would know, as much as I do, that we are all wired for intimacy. We all need and crave love and care in some form. And you may not even be a huggy person, but you still need the love and care from people around you in some way. I wonder if you've ever done one of those exercises. We did it recently with some of our leaders where you stand and you stand up usually up against something. Let's pretend this is a wall. Yeah? And we invite someone else to walk towards you and you ask them to stop when they have reached your place of boundary, you know, when you're starting to feel uncomfortable. And what you notice is that changes for many people. It also depends who the person is. If it's someone you don't know, you're probably happy that they're standing over there. If they've just played a game of football, you're very happy that they're standing well over there. But if it's someone you really care for, you're happy that they just keep coming and keep coming and bring it on. You know, it's just... We all have a different sense and different boundaries in place for different people, but we all need intimacy in some form. As children, we need love and care from our parents and one of the primary roles of a parent is to show love and care to their young ones. And since you are here, I know that you were once a child. I know, that was pretty intuitive, wasn't it? (laughs) No, I know that you've grown up in some form And your parents may have been good, they may have been poor at this. But it's interesting what's being discovered in regards to intimacy and in in relation to the raising of children. Therapist, family therapist Virginia Satir once said, we need four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs a day for maintenance and we need 12 hugs a day for growth. So I wonder, have you had your 12 hugs yet? (laughs) It might be an encouragement after the service today. Go hug someone appropriately. (laughs) Hug someone that you love, someone that you know. You know, it's it's been discovered that hugging triggers the release of oxytocin. Oxytocin, I'll say that right. It's known as a certain hormone. You know what hormone it's known as? It's the love hormone. 
And so when someone embraces you or holds your arm, holds your hand, or sits next to you, it's someone that you care for, it releases these good hormones in us and these hormones affect our bodies, they even affect our growth. They're even saying that a 20 second hug can help you grow smarter, healthier, happier and more resilient as a person. Look at that. Each morning, wake up and take some of the good vitamins that you eat, eat a healthy breakfast and walk over to someone you lug and lug, love <laughs> and hold them, hug them for 20 seconds. Have you ever tried that? I remember reading this myself and, and giving Becca a hug for 20 seconds and, and when you count it out, it actually feels quite longer than you expect. But it's wonderful. It's, it's this idea that it's not just the <laughs> hug goodbye, it's the being present in that moment for a moment and just embracing someone. Maybe you need a hug here today. Maybe there's someone that you can ha- hug yourself. You see, there's this, this truth within us that we are wired for intimacy. On the other end of the spectrum, isolation has been used as a form of torture and a deterrent for many generations. Prisons and labour camps have used isolation to help keep back people in line because it is not something that we desire. It goes against the way that we are wired. We are wired for physical intimacy but we are also wired for spiritual intimacy. What is true in our natural world is also true in the spiritual world. We have been created to be in spiritual intimacy with God. It may not look like a hug. We often sing songs songs about God embracing us. And we know it's different than a hug from a friend, but there are times when we pray, there are times in our prayers, there are times as we sit with God where we almost have this experience that God is there and he's embracing us. There's a spiritual sense that he is near. We have an innate desire to be close to God, for it is the very purpose of what we were created for. I'd like to read today, as we open up this whole idea, Ephesians from chapter 2, verse 11. And I double-checked my uh, verses on the screen. I got them mixed up last time. (laughs) My apologies. But it is Ephesians 2, verse 11. It says this, the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself 
one new people from two groups. You know, it's an interesting passage because in its context, it's written to Gentiles. Now, the context of this was that God's chosen people, the Jewish nation, were known as being the covenant people and all other nations who were not a part of the Israelite people, the Jewish people, were known as the Gentiles. I am a Gentile. I'm not a Jewish by birth or by nationality. I'm Russian, Ukrainian. And so in that day and age, I was definitely a Gentile. And so this was written to this group of people dealing with a situation where the Jewish people were very proud of this separateness that they had in God. And even after Christ came they were still flouting that a little bit. And in in particular, this idea of circumcision, which I am really glad doesn't exist now in order to be a believer in Christ. But this idea was that men, young boys I should say, when they were eight days old, were circumcised. Kids, if you don't know what that is, ask your parents later. (laughs) When they were eight days old, they were circumcised and it stood as a symbol that they were separated and part of God's people, part of his family. And it became something that they were very proud of. So proud that when Christ came and the message of Jesus Christ was going out to all people, they still held on to these things and it was causing divisions. It was separating God's people. And so this was written. It's an interesting place to read from, really, in our time. Because it seems like this lesson from history, it was, it was long ago, this, this practice that we don't understand. But in the midst of it is a very deep truth that we can learn from here. And it starts, as the letter writes, it starts with this idea of don't forget, or some translations use the, the positive, remember. Remember. You know, there's things in life that are good to forget. There are those things that we would prefer to forget and leave in the past. But there are things that we should choose to remember, not to hold us back, but to help us see how far we have come. Anyone like rock climbing here? Anyone tried rock climbing? Maybe that's a better one. Yeah? Anyone awake in the room? Yeah, beautiful. There they are. Rock climbing. We went recently with Beck. We thought, let's go on a date. Okay, we thought, let's do something fun. So we went rock climbing. And I can remember in one particular, uh, we went down to Clip and Climb in Berwick. I don't know if you've ever been there. But they have this new system, this new harness system that doesn't involve a person on the ground holding a rope. Because if you've ever done that, you know, your friend is on the bottom and you're climbing and you're not looking, but you look down and they're like looking around at everything else but you. So they thought, this, there has to be a better system. So yes, they developed this, this machine that has a spring in it and a rope that comes up and down and so that when you fall off, it catches you. But it's really unnerving because guess what? It takes a little bit to come into action and so you, don't, you can't just sort of lean into it and feel. You have to literally just let go and then let it grab and that was unnervy, I must admit. It was a little bit... Why did I go there? Anyway, we're rock climbing! <laughs> climbing this wall but I didn't need Beck climbing got this machine it's looking after me I got used to the machine and I'm climbing I'm climbing and what I found is this 
once I learnt to trust this machine and I got going, I wasn't looking back that much. There was one particular time on one of the higher walls, I remember climbing, 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 focusing on every hold and all of a sudden realising I am really high (laughs) and I looked down. And I was surprised at how high I was because I was so caught up in every hold, in the not falling and every little step that I had forgotten how far I had gone. And it's similar in our own journeys. God makes these little changes in our lives. We make these small steps in our journey with him. And because they're small and because we're focused in that moment, in time we actually forget where we started from. And as we sit in the moment, we we experience every moment quite similarly. We forget what God has done. And so there are times we need to maybe look down or look back because we're able then to see what God has done in us. We need to remember to see the change and transformation that occurs when we live in Jesus. We need to look back at who we were, who we once were, in order to see who we now are in Jesus Christ. Delirious had a song many years ago and it was a a song that made a real impact to me. And it was a song that helped me pause in my life and to remember. And the words go something like this, where can you go if the sun doesn't shine? You sing the words but, but none of them rhyme, even though it does in the song. Where do you go when you've lost the keys, when all is dark and you're on your knees? You live in a world where it's love betrays, but there is a light that will save the day. And I love this line. What would I have done if it wasn't for Jesus? What would I have done? You see, the writer, the writer in this moment is looking back and looking at a broken world and where he has come from and remembering what Jesus is doing in him. I can remember sitting with this song. You know how you have those songs for the season and you play them over and over and over? This was one of those. What would I have done if it wasn't for Jesus? There are things we need to remember so that we won't forget who we have become. So in today's context, where this passage seems like lessons of the days of old, there's still a picture of who we are without God. Behind this very specific example lies a timeless problem of human nature that still vexes us today. Alienation, division, name-calling, separation from God, hopelessness. And as long as all of these exist, people will continue to experience loneliness, fracture, lack of trust, discouragement. At the heart of this issue is a people without God. Hopeless. Some of the words used to describe them in this situation, they're described as outsiders, apart from Christ, excluded, hopeless. It's a, it's a picture of who we are without Jesus Christ in our lives. And if you're here today, and you have faith in him, I want to encourage you to take time to look back and see what God has done. To remember who you once were without him.
And if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet, I want you to look forward to what you could become. Because in Jesus Christ, this situation, this issue would all change. The prophecies of old would predict a Messiah that would come and not just be a saviour of the Jewish people, but who would be the saviour of the whole world, uniting all people together. In Jesus, we can utter these words, but now, but now. Because of Jesus, we can focus on who we have become, on who you have become in him. But now these are powerful words. We were once outsiders, apart from Christ, excluded and hopeless, but now that Two simple words right there says that is gone, it is done. There's a line that's been drawn in the sand. You now step into a new reality. But now you have been brought near. You have been brought near, we read. It's interesting how so many people are disconnected in our world today. You know, it's been shown that we are the most connected generation and time in, in space and time of, of all time. With social media and the internet, we mo- now have more information at our fingertips than ever before. Right now, you could be pretending to read your Bible and, and sitting there looking at Facebook. I wouldn't know. <laughs> but you've got that power at your fingertips in your phone. You have the power to write a message right now and it can go all over the world to many people who you might call friends or followers. You have more power than ever before to connect with a wider group and range of people than ever before. Yet it has also been shown that we are one of the most isolated and disconnected groups of people. We may have friends and followers, maybe hundreds, maybe even thousands, but in a very shallow type of way. We can present our lives in a way that we'd like to. And that's why Facebook can be, I just say, quite depressing. Because you see everybody just presenting the best part of themselves, the best portion. And you start comparing yourself. Well, my life doesn't feel like that or that or that or that or that. And so that, that can occur. That's one of the downfalls in this. We can be connected with so many yet still feel so alone and disconnected. We seem to have more friends and more connections but less intimacy, less true connection. We're spread thin or we can be spread thin and shallow rather than fat and deep, that's what I'll call it. (laughs) Deeper relationships with a few who really know us, who see beyond what we present and see us for who we are. If this is true in the way that we relate with one another, so it's even more true in a spiritual sense. We can have a shallow relationship with God by pretending, by doing the right things, but God wants to draw us near, beyond that shallowness of life, into a deep and intimate relationship in Christ. And I sat and thought about this. In Scripture, 
God reveals himself in so many ways as a relational God. And last time I spoke, one of the the perspectives was that God reveals himself. That's by no accident. We only know of who God is because he has chosen to show himself to us in the ways that he chooses. And so he chooses to reveal himself by certain ways and by certain means, intentionally. And so many of the ways that he will reveal himself to us are as relational and personal in personal ways. I want to just mention a couple of those as I was thinking this through. Jesus invites us and his disciples to call our God Father, Abba Father, which is this really intimate version of Father, which is like Daddy. So God invites us to call him Father. And then there's this really interesting way that that Jesus speaks, we read in Matthew 23, 37, as Jesus is looking over actually the, the temple and his people who have rejected him, he says these words, how long have I longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? Think of that, paint that image in your mind. As a hen gathers the little fluff balls, <laughs> running astray, chirping, chirping, cheep, cheep, cheep. you got it in your mind, I'm trying to help. Yeah, they're running off because they don't know where they're going and these, these wings, you can just see these, these feathers coming over them, drawing them near to protect them and to draw them close. If that's not intimate, I don't know what is. <laughs> this motherly aspect of God. And then there's the controversial Song of Solomon's, which is this analogy of God's love for his people shown in the writings of lovers the most intimate of all expressions. And then Jesus also invited us to call his disciples, sorry, he invited his disciples to call him friend. A friend. And he let them in to the inner workings of his life. He says in John fifteen fifteen that everything that I learnt from my father I have made known to you. Everything, everything I know I'm sharing with you because you're a close, you're, you're a close friend. Isn't that interesting? Look at them all. All intimate, deeply relational. And one of the most beautiful images for myself personally is in relation to God as Father. And if you've never read the parable of the prodigal son, you can read it in Luke 15 from verse 11. And it's the story of a son that goes wayward, asks his dad for his inheritance, literally saying, I'd prefer that you died because I want your money more than I want you. And he runs off to live his life. If you know the story, he goes and he, he blows all of his money on living a good life and finds himself in a really low, bad place and finally thinks, I'm better off going and working as a servant in my father's house. And as he comes back to his father's house, there's one of the most beautiful images of God our Father. As the father in the parable runs out to his son, pauses and says, get down on your knees and grovel because you have sinned. (laughs) Is that how the story goes? No. The father runs out of his home. He runs to his son and he throws his arms around him and he embraces him. 
embraces him, holds him near. That's the picture that our God wants you to know. That our God loves you. That as you would come to him in your brokenness or in in whatever form, he's willing and wanting to embrace you. To share himself in an intimate way. You have been brought near. You also can know peace. If you read, you'll notice that peace, this idea of bringing near, is the idea of being at peace with God. Peace and unity with him. I wonder if you've had one of those arguments with someone you really love. And it's usually with someone that you live with. Usually someone in your family, maybe a roommate. And you have one of those arguments that you can't escape from, okay? And it's really heated. And you've been really hurt. And you can't go anywhere. And so you've had this argument and you're sitting on the couch and they're there and you're there. And you're fuming, you're angry, you're hurt. Maybe they are too. You had one of these situations with someone you know. And you can reach out and touch them. Because they're there, but there's this gulf, there's this chasm between you that is bigger than anything you could possibly ever imagine. God is drawing us near. That fractured relationship, that unpeace, is what God does away with to draw us to himself. And so when God says, I bring you peace, we can think of peace in many ways, but in this way, It's a healed relationship with him. That gulf, that chasm has been dealt with because of his love. There's one more thing in the midst of this bringing near that I find really interesting. Not only does he create unity with himself, but with others. Very interesting. It talks in verse 14 about how God has united Gentile and Jews and brought them together as one people. A new humanity, you could say. Some versions say that he has created a new man, better translated as a new humanity. So God not only draws us near to himself, but as we draw near to him, we are united together. No matter where we come from, no matter who we are, we can be united in Jesus Christ. Where there was once division, there is division no longer. And he uses the word in verse 14 that Jesus has broken down the wall of hostility. Wall of hostility. And this is quite literal. The Gentiles, going back to when the the Israelites would go to the temple to worship God, got to a wall, got to a gate in a wall that they were no longer able to pass. There was a sign that said, no Gentiles passed this point. It's quite literal. But it's interesting that history has shown that we like to build walls. Are there any walls, famous walls that you can think of? Maybe there's one that you can think of today in the good old US of A that's being built as we speak. You know, there was a time that nations thought that would never occur again because the good old USSR 
and the Iron Curtain, which was erected in 1945 to 1991, when a nation said, we're going to stick to ourselves and no one can come in or come out without our control. I grew up in a Russian community, so I heard a lot about stories of the USSR. And in 1991, when, when that collapsed, there were some of the greatest celebrations on the planet when that wall came down. One of the most famous walls was between East and West Germany, the Wall of Berlin. And in Germany on November 1989, and I was only 10 years old, this was a couple of years before the Iron Curtain also came down, I can still remember the pictures on the news and the celebrations around the world because this wall finally came down. You can still find valiant images of people celebrating Celebrating what? The extinction of this great divide between people. And yet the greatest still would be the end of a divide between humanity in Jesus. There is no greater wall that has been removed than that between us and Jesus Christ and also between us and those around us because of him. Galatians 3.26 For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You all have been united with Christ in baptism. So there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of God. Jesus, we can be united. In Christ, people from all extremes, all divisions can be united. The things that once divided us have been torn down and nothing stands between us. Only Christ unites us. And yes, we struggle. But it's often because our eyes are taken off him. Our own issues become important again, our own safety, our own comforts. So we need to align our eyes once more on him. And this is all possible. And he finishes very quickly. It's all possible by the precious blood of Jesus. This is all possible because of him. Do not forget that all that we have is because of Jesus' sacrifice. We come to Jesus and each other not because of a law and a set of rules and regulation, not because of our efforts, not because we try harder, but because of what Jesus has done. And this is really important because I know there are thoughts going through your mind or have in the past and it is simply this. Wally, you say Christ and God has brought me near and that he is near to me, but I don't feel it. And maybe you once did, but there are seasons and times where you cry out, Lord, I don't feel you now. You promise that you will be near, but I'm not experiencing your nearness in this moment. And that's why this is so important. Because this promise is actually not based on my feelings or yours. It's not based on your experience. Guess what it's based on? An event in history. It's not an emotion. God doesn't change because my emotions change. We know this to be true because Jesus came and died. And in those moments where you cannot feel him, where he feels distant, 
we go back to the start of this passage and we remember once again what Jesus did on the cross. We remember again. It's not a feeling, but an event. What you find is that there will be seasons where God feels really close and very near and times when he feels very far, but I would simply say he hasn't moved at all. He is still as near as he has always been. So today I hope you can go. I hope you can go being encouraged to remember If you have faith in Jesus, I want you to remember who you once were. I want you to remember and see how far you have come and thank Jesus for it. I want you to know that you have been brought near, that you can know peace and unity in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him, I pray that you would come to him. I pray that you may come to him and know him as he calls and invites you to come to him. Above all else, may we not forget that it all comes through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The line in that song, I am good, you were loved. Not I am loved because he is good. No, he is good. You are loved. It starts with him. It starts with his work on the cross. It starts because he calls us, he draws us near And my prayer for you today is that you may know that for yourself. I know the team's going to come and they're going to finish in a time just to sit and reflect and as we finish in song. But I want to pray as we lead into that. Father, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for who you are. I want to say thank you that you love us and that you draw us near to yourself. Lord, I pray for each person here today. But I don't know what their situation may be. I don't know where they've come from or what they're walking into. But above all else, Lord, I pray that they may go knowing that they are loved by you. That you are calling them nearer to yourself. Father, I pray that they may know by the power of your Holy Spirit that you are near. Lord, I also pray for those who may be going through a dark place. They might find themselves in a dark situation, Lord. And the last thing they feel is that you are near. But Lord, I pray that they will know that you are with them. That they will not be led simply by their own emotion in this point, but they will look to you and see what you did on the cross and hold on to your promise that you were with them in all things. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you give them a new boldness, a new way to trust in you so that in time they may know and feel you once again as near as near can be. So, Father, we thank you that we can call you Father and Friend. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.